3: I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Monday. Baker Mayfield remaining the Browns starting QB. This might be a coincidence, but the Browns' lines, the odds, getting worse. There's been a move towards the Ravens to win the division and away from the Browns. Speaking of losing, the L.A. Lakers drubbed by the Pelicans. They've now lost five of six. They were booed, booed at their home floor. And by the way, the... Pelicans were two and a half point underdogs in that game. What's going on with LeBron? And finally, we had a historic day in college basketball. The top six teams in the country all lost. If you had bet hundred dollars on that happening, it would have won you forty-two thousand. Wow! Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening
2: to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is straight out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell.
3: You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Monday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. 100 wins you 42,000. That sounds fun. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. He is the fan who beats the man, A.J. Hoffman.
4: Thanks, R.J. Great to be here on a Monday where the deadline for the MLB to go on without stoppage is today. Uh, Reports are out of Cleveland. The Browns are looking at all options at quarterback. And the top six college basketball teams all fall over the weekend. What is the Vegas lead?
3: Well, here's the thing, A.J., is when I am deliberating between this story or that story, if it's a tight call for the Vegas lead, I think to myself – what would a southern guy from Texas, a white guy, want to talk about the most? And Because that's you, AJ. And I figure <laughs> you, you want to talk about how baseball and the owners are ruining things and how it was better back in the old days. So let's lead with, and this is, you know, we're having fun with it, but if you're a fan of baseball, if they don't get this settled today, games are going to be missed. And to me, that's obviously a big deal, and it's the lead.
4: Yeah, that's the that's the deal in Major League Baseball today. Today, the self-imposed deadline that if the if, uh, if the two sides can't come to an agreement today, time will be missed. And apparently, as you heard Dan Byer say, owners are willing to miss at least a month of the season if it comes down to it.
3: Now, what does that mean? If you announce ahead of time where your breaking <laughs> point is, it does seem odd. That's that's not the best negotiation tactic. You know, I don't know. Okay, so. This is going to be, to some degree, creating context of history. And, A.J., you've been a radio guy for quite a long time. Uh, in Houston, where you spent uh, over a decade, drive time, etc. cetera, is the Astros have been a big deal, you know? Cheaters, yeah, but they've been a big deal lately. <laughs> and I know baseball in, in, initially was big in your discussion points. Why don't you tell the younger listeners— we always like to skew young is <laughs> what really what are the echoes in your mind of that strike in 1994, the whole missed season?
4: 1994 when they when baseball missed their entire season. I told McKenzie this today because I knew a lot of our audience wouldn't remember this. But in 1994, football and baseball weren't. It, it, there wasn't a huge gap between what the biggest sport in this country was. I think football was still more of a popular game. I was 14 years old, so I can't speak to it. it you know t- exactly, but well, that's, but that's it, probably it's,
3: the t- when you're 14 is the time you're going to be the most engaged, right? But we yeah. got num- we got numbers on this. So we looked at it and said 1993, the year before the missed season, what was the World Series ratings? What, what, now, remember, there's multiple games. But, uh, Mackenzie, when we did this work, was it the, the top game or what was our uh Average numbers?
1: viewership for the World
3: Series. Average. So in theory, if you look at the number of games, okay, that's interesting. So average viewership on one game was 25 million people watched. And in the Super Bowl it was 90 million, so you know triple and a little bit more. Okay, okay. Now baseball went from 25 million and 93 to 12 million last year. Now I'm gonna do a little math. That's less than half, AJ. Less than yeah. half. So it's like it's been cut in half and more baseball viewership in an age of distributed video where everyone can watch it if they want to. Half the people watched it and Super Bowl went from 90 to 112 up you know what is that about 20% a little bit more okay so now the ratio is like nine times as much almost exactly nine times as many people watching the Super Bowl than the World Series baseball has really lost its traction and is down 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 and you can almost point directly to The missed season in 94 as the real starting point, or at least a key kind of trigger point of that. And I also think, AJ, you being more of a baseball historic guy, is the PEDs and what followed, you know, the whole scandal actually has a lot to do with that missed season.
4: Yeah, and '98, '99, when the the bonds, uh, or excuse me, the Sosa-McGuire chase happened, and then a little later when the bonds chase happened, that's when baseball actually kind of peaked again. And then, obviously, with the downfall after the the PED stuff came out, it's just gotten into basically into another lull, and it's it, there there is really no sign of it coming out of this thing. Which makes this really the worst possible time for them to to miss any time, because if you're going to alienate any of the remaining audience you've got left, you're you're really starting to dig deep to, to find people to get rid of.
3: Well, I mean, listen, this is one of the classic billionaires versus millionaires trying to decide how to split all the money. And it doesn't mean that the players are wrong or the players are right. It just means it's not a – the optics are not good. And, you know, to some degree, I am going to side with the owners most of the time because I I think in this country we don't appreciate the – you know, as a business owner, I understand there's certain things an owner has – and again, listen, at the billion-dollar level, it's different. And obviously, as much as I love capitalism – I hate I hate more than anything like welfare for corporations. Right. Is the idea that no matter what mistake you make, the, the politicians got you covered like the banks? up. I think it's it's the worst thing that could possibly happen to a capitalistic system, because then you can start saying, hey, it's not about who works the hardest or who's the smartest. It's about who, you know. And whenever that is the case, it, it makes the whole capitalistic argument so much weaker. So in no way do I think there's any ideal here. And And but I also think the owners need to take heat historically for oppressing I mean there were there was a time when they had the ability to do it that they were unfair the owners with the players and now just like with unions like my dad was in a union for 30 plus years as a coal miner is they were radical about not giving up anything it, they'd strike and they I mean there'd be long strikes and there'd be times there was violence like people I mean picket line violence, over this stuff and this is coal miners now back in the 80s and you know 80s specifically but you know what they would always talk about the union guys would always talk about oh back in 1915 when you used to have to live on like you know the coal mines would own the buildings that people lived in and then you would work all day go to the company store come out with your food and at the end of the day you ate and you broke even that day. Right. And I mean, it really was that bad. Now, again, these guys in the 80s didn't live that, but they understood that was the past. And we got to we got to make sure that doesn't happen again. AJ, to me, the baseball guys, it feels like the oppression or the unfair approach the owners used in the 60s is still driving a lot of this acrimony between the union and the owners. And you know what? Maybe it should, because. You know it was wrong, but I also know hurting the fans today doesn't help anything.
4: Yeah, and a couple of things are happening here, and you got to remember in sports it's kind of a the the, the money a zero sum type of game because whatever money isn't given to players goes back to the teams, and the owners control how much they spend their money. So the less they spend, the more they keep. Well, but and- unless they
3: win, in theory.
4: Right, but here's the thing that's happened now. I mean, and if you remember when the league like gave out a prize to the team that, to, that did the best job avoiding arbitration, like they, they got a, a, an award for it, which obviously did not sit well with the Players Association. But you're now being rewarded – for basically spending the least amount of money. And and obviously, the players are looking at this. Player pay has decreased for four years in a row, even as the revenues grow and franchise values get higher. I can see that being frustrating to them. And they're doing more and more to keep players from getting their service time that gets them to free agency or arbitration. So basically... It seems like let's talk.
3: Let's talk about that for a minute, because to me and we're straight out of Vegas. I'm R.J. Bell talking with A.J. Hoffman. When there is something that is a financial driver in a league which is disconnected from the fans perspective, which is we want to win. We want our team to win. Right. I am a exiled Pirates fan. When the Pirates won it in 79, I was like. You know, I was less than 10 years old, and it was like I, I took school off the next day. I was, I mean, I can still tell you, Kent Takalvi Kent with the underhand, or not the underhand, but the sidearm, and Omar Marino caught the ball in center. We came back from 3-1. I mean, it was, it, you know, I, I can tell you the whole lineup. Tim Foley. The whole thing. When's the <laughs> last time you were Tim Foley? Right? I, I
4: don't recall.
3: Dave Parker.
4: You but talk- you, I mean, as, as a, a former Pirates fan, you've probably seen this more than anyone because back in those days, the '70s, '80s, and even early '90s, there was more of a competitive balance. It didn't—you didn't have to be like in a big market to win. And it's the Pirates feel like a team that they've got no reason to go out there and try and put a competitive field on the team because they're going to make X amount of dollars without spending
3: it on payroll. Well, that's the whole point, I think, is, and I'm not sure, because as much as we say, hey, it's hard to compete if you're not the Yankees or Dodgers, and to some degree, the Dodgers have, like, upped the ante on that even more, and, and we've got John, uh, our uh, amazingly good board or technical director, however it, his official title is, he is a huge Dodgers fan, so I'm not trying to be critical here, but man, they're spending the money like it's going out of style, and it does feel almost like that evil empire, we're going to gobble, hey, you got someone good? Great, he'll be ours soon enough. And to me, that's the problem. Because if you're starting to watch a guy from the A and you're saying, oh, so-and-so's hitting, he comes up he's hot the first you know late call up and then all of a sudden when he's just hitting his prime you know if a big team comes in and gobbles him up it's like now what now you're gonna start caring again and then what they get gobbled up and the pirates were almost are acting as a farm system for the, the big teams. And to me, you can't ask a fan to emotionally get invested and then have your heart ripped out. It's one thing to lose. It's another thing to get all your players plucked away and i think that's the problem is that they let these teams do that they can put a minimum spend on this thing just like the nfl does and if so but the, you know now what they're trying to do and i'm no expert at this stuff but is there's like the revenue sharing and there's all these different ways where, where you got to spend this money for this or that but th- who's making the rules the guys that own the teams right so it strikes me that I've never heard of an NFL team or rarely that is thinking about, hey, this is going to be a competitive disadvantage, but that's fine because we can buy another yacht. But, <laughs> but in baseball, it seems to be acceptable. And if anything, AJ, baseball is a sport that needs the most passion, right? Because if you're going to watch 162 games, you better love it, right?
4: Uh, you yeah, have to. I mean, that's the only way to get guys out to the ballpark is to to have people invested in it. And it's hard to get invested. Like you said, if you're a Pirates fan and your payroll's, you know, almost a tenth of the Dodgers payroll, it's hard to get invested in that team.
3: And the thing is, if somehow, some way you could say, oh, there's this college, North Dakota or not North Dakota State, but, you know, uh, some small college that can't compete with Alabama. You know what? They're not supposed to compete with Alabama. That's fine. Right? They're
4: not in the same league.
3: Not in the same league, both practically or metaphorically. But the Pirates and the Yankees and the Dodgers are. And if you, if you have it where it's literally like a 4A team against a, a, a Major League Plus team, again, the interest is going to drop. And why would you as owners? It's very myopic. It's very short-sighted to say we're only going to be concerned about the bottom line now. We're not going to be concerned about, hey, what are the fan bases? You know, what's the trend line on this stuff? And then another thing about baseball is the analytics, where as much as it's almost a solved game now. Now, what does that mean, solved game? It means that the optimal way to play is agreed to by everyone that has any sense of it. And it's really ruined, ba- or I don't want to say ruined. It's hurt baseball because it's strikeout or home run. And, and statistically, and I haven't done the math on it, that's supposedly the, only, the best way to play. So everyone's playing that way. And, man, the plays in the field, it feels like they, they used to say, oh, baseball is really the pitcher versus the batter, and that's the game. And everyone else is just on the margins. And that's why the, the analytics solve baseball first, because you're looking at that matchup, pitcher, batter. And, yeah, field, fielders matter, but only on the margins and because they could analyze the game more, they know how to play it to optimize runs, and it's boring compared to like a lot of plays in the field. Do you oh, agree, agree with
4: that? Yeah, absolutely.
3: I mean, as a, I mean, how much baseball did you watch 10 years ago versus now, versus 20? So let's say 2000, 2010, now.
4: Uh, I would say in 2000, baseball might have been my favorite sport. And, uh, and, and then... your
3: viewership was correlated in that way.
4: Yeah, in 2010, I, I hardly watched any baseball. I mean, now I hardly watch any at all. Yeah. What was, I mean, what was I, the
3: pivot point between 2000 and 2010?
4: I, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, it's easy. It'd be easy for me to say that it, you know, some it's steroids or something. That's not it. It's just I, I don't think the game is as fun, and I think that the NFL gets better and better every year. And I just find myself investing more and more time into football than I do into baseball.
3: And, and ultimately. It's Darwinian, meaning if the leagues make the right decision and it's survival of the fittest, is they're going to keep growing. And the leagues that make the wrong decisions are going to keep trending downwards. And let's look at boxing. I mean, if you look at the stats, boxing as a portion of the American zeitgeist of, like, this is what the country's talking about. This is what the country cares about. Boxing was it. Boxing was bigger than the NFL. You know, in the in the 30s. I mean, you think about you see that Joe Louis versus Max Smelling, and it's like there's like 85. Imagine going to a fight where they're like a little postage stamp, and there's 85,000 people watching, and there's people at bars listening to it on the radio, and it was all people talked about. And now, when's the last time you know since Mayweather retired? When's the I mean, there's not. I mean, you got YouTube guys that get the most boxing interest. Yeah. So it's like this all – why? Because they fundamentally disrespected the fans. And to finish up this topic to me is as a Pirates fan recovering is (laughs) I – emotionally I can't care about something if the owner doesn't care. And if the owner doesn't care about winning, then I would. And I told my guy, you know, I mentioned this guy, Matt Lowe, nice guy I grew up with and we're friends. And I mentioned him a couple weeks ago and he, he texted me, he goes, I heard I was got mentioned. He was all excited. And I love Matt and, and Matt's still a Pirates fan and he he doesn't care. Right? He'll watch the games and I'm like, you are the reason the Pirates stink. And he's like, what do you mean? I go, because you keep watching, you keep buying, you go to a couple games a year The owners like, yeah, they're fine. The fans are fine.
4: What incentive do we have to be better than this? If our fans are going to show up at this baseline, uh, like if we have a better team, are they going to buy more sodas or like what's what's the what's what where's the multiplier? That's what that's what the owners look at it like.
3: I I, you are exactly right. But if the fans didn't show up, if they weren't watching, what's the team going to say? Hey, there's a minimum effort to win that we've got to make to keep them engaged.
4: I've always said like fans who show up at the game with bags on their head. Those are dummies. The only way you can get to these owners is if you don't spend your money on going to the games. That's the only way they'll fill it because a guy sitting in the stands with a bag on his head paid just as much as the hardcore guy who's cheering every play.
3: Well, I agree, but I, but I also think this. Here's the sad part. is For a lot of sports fans, in fact, when sports is at its best is when the games really mean something. Because let's be honest, if you're a salesman, it doesn't matter if you close the biggest deal you ever closed or the biggest deal of the year. You never feel like the baseball guys or the football guys do after they win a World Series. I mean, when they run and they're jumping on each other, there's a joy to that that, that, that adult life rarely offers. And to be able to vicariously enjoy that as a fan is one of the great joys of life, I think. But if, um, but every time you lose, you feel the angst of it, the, you know, the, the negativity. If you're never going to win and you never get to feel the joy, yeah, removing yourself emotionally is probably a good idea, not to mention a deterrent of the owner to act that way. But these things move in decades. They don't move in months. So, I, you know what? I haven't affected that Pirates owner at all, apparently. Because 'cause I've been, Cause I've been boy- changing. I've been boycotting a long time. And but I'm not sure what the answer is because I do think there's a stewardship element to this. That if you own a franchise, you owe it to the fans to act a certain way. And that's where I think the commissioner and the other owners gotta step in. But apparently baseball doesn't care and here we are, another example of it. They might be missing during a pandemic or at the end of a pandemic, hopefully, is we got the idea of we're, why aren't the boys playing? Oh, they're disputing the last $10 million.
4: And let, let's give kudos to the teams that occasionally jump up and do spend money. The, the San Diego Padres, for the longest time, were bottom 10 in payroll. I think for 15 years in a row, they were bottom 10 in payroll. The last two years, they've been top 10, top 5. They went out and said, listen, we're going to make a change. We're going to spend some money and try to compete. Hasn't worked on the field
3: yet, but obviously they're at least making that effort. All right, next Topic. We're going to take our first break. Is AJ, this is all I'm going to say. AJ says, I got a Baker Mayfield take and it's hot. That's it. All right,
4: that's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio.
3: Straight out of
0: Vegas!
4: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at
2: 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: Higher Ratings, and Consumer Reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com
0: sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol.
4: I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. In just a minute, we're going to take a look at Baker Mayfield and what the Cleveland Browns are planning to do with
3: him. So, A.J., let's get some lingo straight. So, we're talking on the break, and he goes, We're back! We're back! And so I jump up and turn to the mic and say, I'm R.J. Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. And then I hear in the background going... With indeed and it's a com- it's like when you say we're back, it means we're I, back, AJ. Not that we're deal. back in twenty
4: seconds. So you, you you tell us to give you a forty five second and a Yeah, but you don't then- say
3: like in a in a in a hurried voice, like a panic voice, we're back, we're back. Well,
4: to be fair, it got down to where I couldn't see the clock and we've got guests in studio today, so I couldn't see the clock. It was behind him.
3: Oh, so you're blaming the fans no. that came to Let's yes, let's I blame get that them. straight. Is there any fans here? Yeah, we're going to blame that guy. And yes. That guy. Oh
4: my. Uh, he's a larger man and he's blocking a good portion of the screen. And I'm now really.
3: he's cre- he's body shaming a fan. I mean, <laughs> I think you should just just pipe down at this point. This is okay, was... fine. <laughs> this if, is If you want fast...
4: to you want if you want to make fun of me, I heard you give the intro over the in, over the commercial, and I didn't have my headphones on yet, so I just gave my re- retort to you before we were on air as well, so I was I was right. just
3: as silly. And do you want to get the name of the guy's fault it is, or do you want to just say the it's fans? McKin- f- Let's just stick with it's McKenzie's fault. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the fastest gunshot on Fox Sports Radio. Yes, amazingly. <laughs> Our audience has doubled in the last year plus. That's because of you, your tolerance for AJ's hate. I don't think he hates you. I just think he loves Himself more. In fact, I I know he doesn't hate you, but he loves himself (laughs) more. That you gotta know for sure. Now you can listen on the iHeartRadio app, just search straight out of Vegas, here in Vegas on the strip. Mackenzie, what's the temperature? I'm flustered. Seventy five degrees. It's seventy five, and the neon AJ is doing what? It's pulsing. Ooh, yes.
4: All right, let's take a look at Baker Mayfield. The Cleveland Browns reports are they will look at multiple options at all options this offseason at the quarterback position, though they do say they expect Baker Mayfield to be their starter going into the season.
3: Okay, so here's what's more AJ psychology. He doesn't he hates he, he doesn't like things. He always thinks things are like that guy's too popular that guy's a fraud that guy like how often do you say someone's overrated AJ versus underrated would you say the ratio is about 10 to one
4: I was gonna say 80 20 but it might it might be 10 to one I
3: yeah. don't know so rarely that, do I think
4: people don't get enough pub
3: so you think every th- you think in general things are just too hyped up yes and Baker man by oh. that third by that third commercial that year you just hated him before that, <laughs> what, what, what was the what was the, the the trigger point to to start to hate a baker?
4: I'll be honest, I didn't think Baker was that good coming into the league, and I so thought the fact that he was number one,
3: you as a scout said, I as don't a think- scout, yeah,
4: yeah, okay. my my NFL scouting hat was on, and I said this guy is not that good. And then it, before he got good, he was doing commercials, and I said, oh, this is this can't be right. And then sure enough. As the commercials got more and more, the play went down and down, and now I feel
3: vindicated. Okay. Now, the funny thing is, if you listen closely to what he said, he said, this ain't right. And that's the thing about people like AJ. They've got this sense of the way the world is supposed <laughs> to be, and if it isn't that way, they're at, they're, at, they're at war in a way with the world until it changes. Almost like <laughs> McNulty with on Baker. the wire. You remind me of McNulty. What I've heard that. I've heard that. You have heard that? (laughs) Yeah. Wow, that's wild. Okay. (laughs) Bubs used to call him McNutty, but okay, we're straight out of Vegas. Now, today's news, so you've been a Baker skeptic, right? Colin, obviously, a famous Baker skeptic right here in FSR, but you think today's news, really, you can conclude one really powerful thing from it. Go.
4: Yeah, what I conclude is the the Browns have no in- intent of signing Baker to an extension this offseason. Baker's going to have to earn it, prove it this offseason. Uh, the fact that they're saying we will look at all options, that means one of three things in my mind. They're either looking to bring in a high-priced backup, a, a top-level backup like a Trubisky or a Mariota, who they see as a potential starter, or they're going to spend draft capital on a future quarterback, or they're going to make a play for an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson type. None of those things to me bode well for the future of Baker Mayfield and Cleveland as the well, starter, anyway.
3: I think all teams are making a play for elite quarterbacks except the handful that have elite quarterbacks, right? Right. And, and I would make the case case Keenum it was a, a, an elite backup. I mean, I almost, I, can't, I mean, if you look at the contract Keenum signed with the Broncos right before Cleveland, I think you get a sense it was like, a, I think it was $18 million a year. Or I mean, it was a big deal. So Keenum was off a, a monster season with Minnesota. Uh, remember yep. the, the miracle year. So, but I don't think
4: anybody looks at Case Keenum as a long-term starter or a potential starter. But, but none of starter. these backups
3: are long-term starters. That's why they're backups. Right? So in a way, I agree with you. The weaker the starter is, the more money teams tend to put into backups because because sure. not, uh, not, they might need to replace him at any given time, Right. But Keenum well, has been there the whole time. I think the key here is this. What's, and I agree with your take. I mean, if I had to uh, distill your take down, I would do it in the following way. I would say this is most likely the last year the Browns will have Baker Mayfield as a starting quarterback. Because if you look at the history of the NFL in the modern era, when a t- quarterback enters his fifth-year option and he's not signed – the only one we can remember that even stayed with the team was Joe Flacco. And that was the Super Bowl year. He quote-unquote bet on himself. Apparently, though, I think we could even make a distinction, AJ. The, my understanding was the Ravens offered him an extension. He didn't think the money was Right. Right. I get no sense they're even negotiating in Cleveland.
4: I haven't heard anything about Baker Mayfield passing on and off. But, like, where, where do you think Baker Mayfield's agent would say, like, yeah, we're okay being the 20th paid quarterback in the league? I can't imagine that's the case. But do the Browns and even
3: I- want him to, can you win, even if you're paying the 20th best quarterback 20th money? And the theory is, like, a rookie deal, you could put that money into other things. Is teams don't win that way. <laughs>
4: I think the Browns could go out and find a cheaper version, a more controllable long-term version of Baker Mayfield and not have to lock him up. I think that's the way they're looking at it.
3: Well, I think for sure. But I think back to the take is the idea of saying the following in no time in history, in the modern era, let's say from 2012 on with this contract and the way the union is all the kind of givens of today at no time, Has a player entered his fifth year without being offered an extension as a quarterback by his team that quarterback, that team in his sixth year?
4: Yeah, and I guess Lamar Jackson in the same boat, although I don't know the details of him being offered anything. Yeah, he doesn't have an agent, so his deal is all different. He's his own agent. So, But, yeah, this is, seems unprecedented to me. And if, if you're not even offering, like, here's the baseline extension that we're offering, that tells me the Cleveland Browns don't want Baker Mayfield. They don't want him after this. They'll keep him this year because they're paying for it already, but they've got no interest in keeping him beyond this year.
3: Okay, so I disagree with what the, 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 what – AJ just said, and I'm going to crush it. It's not going to be pretty.
4: First, be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio. I'm AJ Hoffman. He's the voice of Vegas. RJ Bell.
3: You know, because you had all your takes earlier, you forgot to do the read.
4: I did. Oh I think because God. of the the, the, think, the rush back.
3: Yeah, I think it's time to get that read done. Like right, or you're, <laughs> we don't get your crazy takes. Okay, that's fine with me. All right. (laughs) Well, we went to takes. All right, here's quickly why A.J.'s wrong. I think – and here's what he's wrong about. I do agree this is likely the last season that Baker will be the quarterback for the Browns. But the idea they don't want Baker, I think they want another year of data. Because you can make the case, and I won't get into it now because it's too many numbers. And if I do, I want to present it really succinctly. But you could make the case that if you take, now listen, there's a lot of ifs here, but if you take out the injuries from this year, meaning he played pretty well the first couple games, and then he got hurt and it was bad after. And if you look at the year before, Baker in the second half of the year was a top quarterback. I mean, by EPA, I think he was second in the entire league the second half of last year. So in a weird way, if you say, okay, first year is one of the best rookie years in in the last 20 for a quarterback. It really was for Baker, statistically. Then you say he had a down second year. And then you think, well, his third year, the second half of it was outstanding. So he's maturing finally. And that's when you're supposed to make the jump the third year, typically. So now coming in this year, it looked great. Then the beginning of this year, it was only like a game and a half was great. Then he got hurt. And from then on, it wasn't. So if Russell Wilson gets the old mallet finger excuse, then it seems like Baker, you could make the case that during those 10 or so games before he was injured, and we're not talking about some time in year one. We're saying the 10 games or so before he was recently injured was his best 10 games and and is a top 12 level quarterback, if not better, then maybe this year he doesn't get injured. So I think they—it's unlikely he'll be back, but I think they want this season, AJ. And you know what? Stay tuned. Time will tell. Okay, final break. We told you about the college basketball. This was a historic weekend for upsets. And if you had bet hundred dollars on these six upsets, how much would you win? We'll tell you that and more.
4: That's coming up next. But first, he's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted, right here on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Straight out of Vegas.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best
2: sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: Cavino and Rich here, and whether you're headed to a campus to see some college baseball, meet up with old friends, or show off the alma mater to your kids –
4: RJ Bell, we are straight out of base, And I'm AJ Hoffman. And RJ, I want to first uh, thank Tate E. and Nick L. Who came into studio to watch the program today. Big fans of the show. And we appreciate their support. We appreciate all of oh, their yeah, support. Listen,
3: let's, let's keep moving. Don't kiss up to them after you blame all them right. for your mistake. Jeez. Uh, all right. Let's look
4: at what happened on Saturday. Where the top six teams in college basketball all lost on the same day.
3: This has never happened before. And again, we're using the Associated Press poll, which is the longest running, most respected. And top six teams, loser, 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 loser. Never happened before. If you had an inkling, a premonition that this would happen, hard to, but okay. You put 100 <laughs> bucks on a money line parlay on all the dogs, you would have won $42,000, $100. 42,000. Now, that's fun to talk about, but it shows you how unlikely this was. So 42,000 becomes 420 to 1 is the way to think about it. So this is going to happen like every day all year. It happened less than once a year. And obviously, they're not going to be played every day all year. So this is a stunner. AJ, as a college basketball expert, and we're going to be ramping up the college basketball now as we enter March, is what is the story here? Gonzaga is and was the number one team both on the AP and in the odds. What do you think of them?
4: still both in both polls or in the the odds and in the AP. Yeah, they lost at St. Mary's by 10. That was their first loss of the season in the West Coast Conference. In fact, they had not lost a game in conference or they had not won a game by single digits. Every win was by double digits all season long. So the last game of the season for them to lose that game by double digits was a big shock. But they will still be the healthy favorite going into the tournament.
3: So what was the Zach's favorite by in that game? Ten and a half points. All right. So they're double. So it, the whole season they hadn't lost a conference game or any game.
4: A conference game.
3: By te- they hadn't. They won everyone, but by they won digits. them all by double digits. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now, is this a sign of a weakness, or was this just uh, they got lax?
4: I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I, I watched the second half of the game. I didn't get to see the entirety of the game. But what I did notice was they, they did not look as smooth and crisp as they usually do. And a Gonzaga offense putting up 57 points in a game is almost unheard of. They've put up over, over 110 in games this year. So it was just a, a very clunky-looking game by them.
3: All right, Kentucky's a team that has used the portal. They were the one-and-done masters. Now the portal is something. Calipari is seemingly mastering. They're a team that seems like that a lot of people think are better than their record. And if you actually look at it, they they were sixth in the AP, but they had like the second-best odds. What's your thoughts on Kentucky?
4: Yeah, Kentucky's one of those teams that normally they get better as the season goes on because they're, they're so young. But this is, like you mentioned, a different-looking Calipari team. This is a lot of, of upperclassmen who transferred in. But maybe we're looking at them gel. Yeah. as the season goes on. Uh, they are the second favorites in the odds at 7-1. to one. They're, They were sixth in the poll. They lost 75-73. They were down five and hit a half-court shot to push or or cover the number, depending on what number you found. So they were Kentucky. dogs
3: in this game. again. They and,
4: were dogs at Arkansas, yes.
3: Okay, and Arkansas is a team that's one of those, are they for real or are they a paper tiger kind of Been an of thing. incredible
4: second-half team, and this was a, a huge win for them.
3: Second half of the season or second half of games?
4: Second half of the season.
3: Okay. Last one, Baylor, a team that obviously played very well last year. And we're, in my understanding is very injured at various points of the year. Are, are they back? Because they've really jumped in the polls. Uh, you know, they surged, I guess, winning on Saturday, right?
4: Yeah, Baylor was one of the winners on Saturday, knocking off Kansas at home. Uh, Kansas was a two and a half point dog at Baylor, but they lost by 10 points. Yeah, just a really good showing by Baylor, a team that looked like maybe they didn't match up that well with Kansas. And they are banged up. They, you know, they lost uh, one of their key guys to Texas. Uh, or in the game against Texas a couple weeks ago but this was a sort of a rally the troops and get a big win against the Jayhawks team though in the Big 12 when Kansas comes to town you always get their best effort
3: and so Baylor was right around 7th and they're the one team that won out of the top and then they jumped up to what third now in the AP uh, they were
4: number 10. I think they now they've moved up to fifth, but I'd have to double-check that.
3: Okay, so Baylor's surging. All right, well, listen, we're going to be breaking down college basketball daily. Whenever a tournament starts, we're going to do a quick preview of that tournament every day right here.
4: All right, if you missed any of today's show, including the discussion about what the future holds for Baker Mayfield, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. We'll be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock Vegas time. More college basketball previews and an NFC North preview. He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. We are straight out of Vegas right here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Straight out of Vegas!
2: If you dare. Zumo Play.